This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land, and this is The Full Story. Labor came to power with one key climate policy, a scheme that requires Australia's biggest polluters to cut their emissions in order to reach the national target of 43% by 2030. Now the government has just weeks to do a deal with the Greens and key crossbenchers to get this policy into law. If the idea is that coal and gas mines can keep opening up and existing ones can keep chugging away, these projects are so massive that you can't offset your way out of the climate crisis. You can't but offset I your way. I think that Greens voters would actually be shocked to see Greens members of Member Parliament Griffith getting ready to sit next to Peter Dutton and Barnaby Joyce to vote against action on climate change against a safeguard mechanism. Minister will resume her seat. So what's holding up this deal? And what's at stake if the parties fail to reach a compromise? Today, Environment Editor Adam Morton joins me to talk about the politics of the safeguard mechanism. It's Thursday, the 9th of March. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. So, Adam, Labor is hard at work trying to get its key climate policy over the line. What's happening this week in Parliament on that? Well, we're seeing the start, really, of serious parliamentary debate about this policy called the safeguard mechanism. Terrible name, but really important policy that's crucial to Labor uh, meeting its promise to cut emissions by 43% by 2030. This policy deals with emissions from big polluting industrial sites and resources sites across the country. And Labor is hoping to get its legislation through this month uh, for the scheme to start operating at the start of July. So the pressure is on. Okay. So what is the simplest way to explain the safeguard mechanism and what it aims to do? Right. Well, in basic terms, it aims to cut pollution from the biggest industrial and resources sites across the country. Applies to 215 sites. About half of them are fossil fuel sites, coal and gas mines and production, and the other half, different types of manufacturing, steel, aluminium, cement, uh, fertilisers, and a range of other things. It's doing this using a scheme that the coalition introduced, but hasn't really used. Industrial pollution has been going up and up. Labor says it wants to reverse that. And it's going to do that by requiring most sites to cut their emissions intensity which is how much they release per good produced by 4.9% a year. 
Mm. Now, companies won't have to necessarily make all that cut on site through direct cut in emissions. They can choose the extent to which they make cuts at the facility and the extent to which they buy carbon offsets, which in theory really means they're paying for emissions cuts somewhere else through forest regeneration projects or other projects. Okay, so Parliament is currently debating a bill that the government needs to help introduce the safeguard mechanism. What's the opposition saying? So Labor had hoped that the coalition would support its legislation because the safeguard mechanism is a coalition policy, but Peter Dutton has not embraced greater climate action. In fact, he's said no to everything so far, and so that didn't work, which means the government needs the support of the crossbench. Right, so that means Labor will need the Greens and at least two independents to pass the bill in the upper house. What does the crossbench broadly think of this legislation? It's sort of strange that it's actually not the legislation that's before Parliament that's really the issue. Without getting into the detail, that really is to turn it into an emissions trading scheme, and that has pretty broad support from the progressive elements in Parliament, the Greens and David Pocock, the independent among others. The other big thing that I think we need to talk about is we're lumping together fossil fuel projects and potentially new fossil fuel projects with cement, steel, aluminium. David Pocock's got a more technical range of arguments and makes some very good points about the design of the scheme, in my view. They're industries that we desperately need and, and we know that in the future they will be part of a low carbon economy. He wants it to pass. You know, I'm not approaching this with red lines. I want to make it better. I want to ensure that this actually reduces emissions at a time where we, we desperately need... Uh, but they have reservations about what the government's trying to do more broadly, that it doesn't go far enough and won't do enough to ensure emissions go down as they're required to. And they are using this legislation as the point of focus to try and get what they want. Okay, so what do the Greens want in exchange for their support of the legislation? The Greens have kept their argument really simple. And it's kind of, in a way, separate to the actual letter of the law design of the scheme. They say that there are no grounds scientifically to allow new coal and gas developments to go ahead. And the scheme won't work if the government does allow fossil fuel developments. So while they have a range of reservations about the scheme, they will support it if the government was to agree to ban those developments. Right. I think they've made a strategically sound position. Their view is we have to get off fossil fuels as quickly as possible, and that the science says we should not be developing new fossil fuels if we want to do what the government says it wants to do, which is to play its part in limiting global heating to 1.5 degrees. Would we, the Greens, have chosen a safeguard mechanism, Tony Abbott's mechanism as a way of cutting pollution? No. Do we agree with the government's targets, their 43% target? No. And Adam Bant was on uh, The Guardian Australia's Australian Politics podcast recently explaining their position really clearly. Do we agree with offsetting as a way of dealing with pollution? No. We've said we're prepared to put all of those concerns aside and pass the mechanism in full if there's one change, which is don't open up new coal and gas projects because that will just not only blow the budget, but it will put any chance of having a safer climate at risk. It's got the support, broadly speaking, and cites evidence from the International Energy Agency, from the UN Secretary General, from the world's major climate science bodies, that that means we can't do these new coal and gas developments. Hmm. Now, it knows going in that that is not where the government will end up. And Labor's been very clear that it won't break its promise 
it won't introduce a blanket ban. So we're going place. to need but new all, gas supply, you're well, saying? I'm, I, what I'm saying is it would be irresponsible supply. to have... It would be irresponsible, Patricia, let me make and it... And Climate Change Minister Chris Bowen was on Radio National this week where he set out their position. Gas has a role to play for peaking and firming for many years to come. It would be irresponsible to put some sort of blanket ban uh, on as we are undertaking this massive transition coming after 10 years of denial and delay, starting in 2022... One potential place where they could compromise would be if the government were to pause approving new fossil fuel developments until a separate debate over changes to national environment laws is dealt with later in the year. And the Greens want, as part of that, a climate trigger introduced, which would require for the first time the Environment Minister to consider the climate impact of a development before allowing it to go ahead. At the moment, national environment laws just don't require that. So the Greens have said, okay, well, if you agree to look at a climate trigger as part of that change, we could potentially let the safeguard through. The government is not inclined to do that, but that's the sort of area that the Greens are sort of indicating they would be prepared to compromise. We would look at all of those, any suggestions that are put on the table, and we consider them in good faith. So what is it that's stopping Labor from taking up all of these offers from the Greens in order to pass the bill? Labor's position, I think, could be fairly summarised as being dictated to by the politics. They do want to do things on climate change. They are not as advanced in what they want to do as the Greens. They felt, leading up to the last federal election, that they had been beaten up time and again by scare campaigns around the cost and impact of their climate policies by the coalition and by significant parts of the media. Mm. So their strategy to avoid that was, we'll adapt the coalition policy that's already there, just make it work as it was supposed to, and we're not going to ban new fossil fuels. We'll leave that up to private investors, as long as they live up to local environment standards on the ground. They can go ahead if people want to put money into it. And then there are different views within Labor about what the future of fossil fuels are. Some think that, well, most of these projects that are proposed won't go ahead because the market will decline. Others are much more bullish and, I think, fair to say, pro-fossil fuels. So there is this conflict within the Labor Party about what the future of fossil fuels is. But politically, they put themselves in a position where they promise not to block them and they won't go back on that regardless of what the soundness of the Greens' argument is. Next, the ghost of carbon taxes past. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So without support from the Greens and a couple of independents, it seems like it's a stalemate at this stage. But if the government does manage to pass legislation on this scheme, will it work to bring down emissions? Look, it should, and it certainly will in some places, but there are two main issues that will decide whether it works or not. One is the extent to which new coal and gas developments go ahead. The government has designed uh, its proposal so that there is room within it so that uh, a certain number of uh, new developments can go ahead and they'll still meet their overall reduction target. Mm. That's a forecast. There's no hard cap. There's nothing to guarantee that as currently designed. So if there was a lot more coal and gas developments than uh, proposed, or if other existing projects continue to expand, um, remembering they only have to cut emissions relative to their level of production, not total emissions, then they could miss their targets. So fossil fuels and the future of it is a major issue that will decide the success of the scheme. And it's worth noting here as an aside, but a really important aside, that critics of the scheme point out that the really significant amount of emissions from new coal and gas developments actually aren't covered by the scheme. They will happen offshore. These are mostly export projects. They dig up the coal and gas, they ship it overseas where it is burned, and the emissions of that product not overseas dwarfs the emissions from these projects in Australia, but it's all part of global emissions and contributes to the global problem. Okay, so you mentioned there were two issues that would determine whether the safeguard mechanism works to cut emissions. What's the second issue? Basically, okay, two, so two issues that were side succeeds. The extent of coal and gas, and the other one is the extent to which the companies under the scheme rely on carbon offsets. So carbon offsets... Simple terms mean they're paying for emissions cuts somewhere else. A lot of those cuts are supposed to happen through basically tree growth, forestry generation projects that generate carbon credits for drawing CO2 out of the atmosphere, and then companies can buy that and count that as their own emissions cut. Now, the problem with offsets is that there remain some significant unresolved questions about the integrity of some projects that are used to create carbon credits, whether they are really delivering new and genuine emissions cuts. This remains a point of dispute between experts in the field. And then there's the broader point that you just can't offset your way to net zero. Some industries can't easily make short-term emissions cuts. You will need offsets to some extent. Cement is an example that's often used. But drawing emissions out of the atmosphere by growing a tree is not as effective as stopping a tonne of carbon dioxide going into the atmosphere from a fossil fuel project. Ultimately, you have to stop that if you're going to address the climate crisis. And so this raises the question, to what extent should companies be allowed to use offsets or should there be limits on them within the scheme? David Pocock and the Greens would both like to see limits on offsets. Australia joining Kazakhstan as the only two countries in the world that allow open access to carbon credits for offsetting. We have to ensure that this safeguard mechanism incentivizes on-site 
emission reductions, that companies are reducing their emissions first before offsetting as a, as a last resort. And there's, you know, there's broad consensus around carbon credits being the last resort. The government at this stage is not proposing to introduce them. So Adam, it sounds like Labor's in a tough spot, right? Because on the one hand, it's trying to enforce this scheme where businesses fundamentally change the way they work and cut their emissions significantly. On the other hand, it doesn't want to make this too onerous for them. So what is the government doing to support businesses as part of the safeguard mechanism? It has a fund. At this stage, it's $600 million has been committed, uh, which was described uh, by one expert at the Senate inquiry into all of this last week as a drop in the ocean, given what the cost is actually going to be to make these changes. We're talking about fundamental changes in how these major heavy industries practice. At the other end, there's a whole bunch of industries in this scheme that we need to survive and that, and that it's not always easy for them to cut emissions. There's also a separate national reconstruction fund that has up to $3 billion for this sort of transformation that the government's proposing. It's not quite clear how this will be spent. It's not going to be enough. And the government's also promising to like consider whether it changes what individual businesses have to do under the scheme, how quickly they have to act depending on their individual circumstances. So... Adam, there's a lot of politics involved, it sounds like, in getting the safeguard mechanism over the line. And Labor has been quick to invoke 2009 and the deadlock that was reached over the carbon pollution reduction scheme, which led to the scheme collapsing. That the very best thing the Greens political party could do if they were really interested in climate change in this country is back the government's safeguard mechanism. Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek has recently argued in Parliament that the Greens shouldn't let the perfect be the enemy of the good and hold up progress on this policy. The city up there in that corner should not make the same mistake they made in 2009 when they voted with Tony Abbott and Barnaby Joyce to block action on climate change. Because what they delivered last time was more emissions for longer and a Liberal government. That's what they delivered last time. What do you make of all that? Yeah, I mean, the history is a mess, right? We've had 15-plus years of what have been called the climate wars. We've come out of it with a policy mess and very little sustainable, uh, good action to address climate change in Australia. And we've had nine years or so under the coalition in which nothing has been done of substance. So that is the history, and I really think that it would be useful if everyone could rule a line under that and we not make that the focus of this debate. The reality is we need to work out what, from where we are right now, is the best thing we can do. You would not start here. You would not start with this policy if you were starting from scratch. We're not starting from scratch. And what do you mean by that? What would an ideal scheme look like if you were to start all over again from scratch? In an ideal world, fossil fuel industries would be dealt with separately to all the other really important uh, heavy industry that is covered by the safeguard mechanism that needs to have a future. They've got quite different trajectories coming up. Uh, unfortunately, they're all lumped together in the one scheme and that makes it to be pretty uneven and difficult to navigate. And that's what's causing a lot of these problems, I think. Well, there's a lot of political pressure weighing on both Labor and the Greens to try and make the safeguard mechanism policy a reality. It's the key climate policy that's on the table at the moment. Is this enough to get the legislation over the line? It's no guarantee that it will get through. There's goodwill from the 
parties at the moment to try and do a deal. There is a, a push by some, certainly outside of politics, but very vocal, that um, the scheme is not good enough and therefore should be rejected. And that argument could win out within the Greens ultimately. We don't know where it will end up, but uh, what hasn't been put forward yet is what happens after that. And after what we've seen, the failure we've seen for so long, uh, it would be a very big deal to reject a scheme that would put a carbon price on the heavy industry that we need to have a future and, and start to help them clean up without something else being proposed that is realistic and could be introduced. And that's sort of the thing that the Greens and the other crossbenchers are weighing. Um, Labor has put itself in a position where this is all it's got to offer. So the question is, where will this all end up? Uh, The imperative to get something through is really significant. And if it doesn't, not sure what happens next. That was Adam Morton, Environment Editor for Guardian Australia. After we spoke, news broke that the Greens have teamed up with the Coalition to force the Albanese government to release its modelling on how Australia's biggest polluters would use carbon credits to meet their obligations under the safeguard mechanism. Labor has until 4pm on Thursday to produce these forecasts. You can read more about the ongoing negotiations between Labor and the Greens at theguardian.com, where you can also find a comprehensive explainer on everything you need to know to understand the safeguard mechanism by Adam Morton. We'll post a link to that on the full story page. This episode was produced by Alison Chan, Karishma Luthria and myself. Sound design and mixing was by Joe Koning, who also wrote our theme music. The executive producers for this episode were Miles Martignoni and Gabrielle Jackson. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.